let's talk about climate change. Now, I'm not a scientist, and I'm no expert on climate change. But then neither are thousands of other people who sound off about it all the time. That doesn't stop them. And unlike some of them, I have at least been to school. How dare you! So there's that. Anyway, I mostly want to talk about the culture that surrounds climate change. And that's something I have studied in depth. For decades. So I think I'm allowed my two cents worth. Now, first things first. Does climate change exist? Well, yes, obviously. The climate is changing all the time. It always has. Always will. That's not even a discussion. But is man contributing to it? Well, it makes sense to me that the stuff we pump into the atmosphere has at least some effect. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction after all. So yes, I'm perfectly willing to accept man's role in contributing to this. How much does man contribute? I don't know. And I'd suggest it would be difficult for pretty much anyone to get an accurate figure on that. But for the purposes of argument, I'm perfectly willing to accept that man is the chief cause of climate change. No problem. Yet despite that, Despite stating clearly and categorically that climate change is real and that it's driven by human activity, I will still get people denouncing me as a climate change denier. And this is where the problems start. I have little time for any culture that's so hostile to dissent and questioning. This is the issue that primarily concerns me. Because science should welcome challenge. It should embrace tests and awkward questions. That's the basis of the entire discipline. So when science resists challenge, and when it does so by acting with such dismissive fury to people who are largely just curious or asking questions, then this raises massive concerns. And the screaming of heretic or denier is especially ironic in light of how science used to be persecuted by faith. The famous story of Galileo's trial by the Inquisition is well known. But now it's the scientists, and especially their enablers, all those non-scientific activists, journalists and enforcers, who have donned the cowls of the Inquisition. Even accepting that climate change is real, there's still plenty of room for discussion. And that discussion comes in three main areas. How severe is climate change? Just how much responsibility does man bear? And what should we do about it? These are all entirely legitimate areas of discussion. Yet to even broach the subject simply provokes howls of condemnation. In fact, that same sort of furious abuse is directed at the merely curious who simply seek some sort of clarification on these issues. And this response, this culture that dominates the climate change movement, is anti-science. And it's anti-educational. And it's just really bloody rude and arrogant. And if you're behaving in an unpleasant and conceited manner, then you're on the wrong side of the argument. Not the moral high ground. Now the certainty of the climate change activists, particularly those who cleave to the most alarmist scenarios, the climate emergency and the extinction event, also need to have their claims tested. And those are found to be severely wanting.
For a start, their claims are not based on observed experience, but on predictions, which means that they're speculative at best. Because it's absolutely apparent that science is incapable of predicting the weather more than a week in advance, never mind a century. So their claims are specious. And for all those tutting that climate and weather are two different things, no, no they're not. The climate is the weather averaged out over a period of time or a geographic area. So they're the same thing. Besides, the alarmists are always happy to conclude that two consecutive days of hot weather is absolute proof of climate change. Accepting any evidence that supports their position while dismissing any that contradicts it and sneering at the idiocy of the people who point out their wanton hypocrisy. The alarmists always accept weather as proof of their wildest fears, long before any possible causes can have actually been analysed or any clear link established. That's not even bad science. It's just not science at all. It's activism and hysteria, which I'd suggest play a greater role in the movement than scientific analysis. As for the alarmist vision of climate change, we can say with 100% certainty that it is wrong because it's a vision based on predictions and every single prediction of the alarmist has been proven wrong. And not just a little bit wrong, but spectacularly, mind-bogglingly wrong. The way science works is like this. You form a hypothesis and that theory is tested against the results. And if the results diverge from your predictions, then you either evolve or scrap your hypothesis. You don't look at results that bear no relation at all to your forecasts and then scream that you were right all along and that anyone who questions you is some sort of dunderheaded buffoon. More than this, it's the alarmists themselves who are responsible for all the apathy and resistance to climate change. Because if you want people to care about an issue and to act on it, then you shouldn't spend several decades continually lying to them about it. If they stop listening to your alarmist exaggerations, then it's your fault. We all heard the story of the boy who cried wolf when we were children. It's just that some of us actually listened to it. But the truth about the climate change issue is even more astonishing. Because the alarmist industry relies almost completely on a notorious model called RCP 8.5. That model was always intended as an extreme and completely unrealistic forecast. A sort of worst case scenario. It was never intended to be taken seriously at all. It's based on the suggestion that by the end of the century, the world will get fully half its energy from coal. That we will burn ten times as much coal as we do today and that we will even rely on coal to power our cars and aeroplanes. RCP 8.5 is a thought experiment, a fiction that was never intended to be taken at face value at all. Yet this ludicrous forecast supports the entire alarmist industry, the industry that dominates our lives, that hopes to wreck our economies, and seeks to destroy our way of life. The Met Office and a raft of official government papers all have their predictions based on RCP 8.5. It's right there in the footnotes if you look. And of course, this is the alarmist nugget that the media sees and brandish for all the world to see. Yet it's simply a lie. 
Regardless, we've already survived far greater extremes of climate change than any of their wildest predictions. And we did it when the entirety of our technology amounted to animal skins and pointy sticks. I'm talking about the Ice Ages, where the mean global temperature shifted by 14 degrees Celsius. When that happened, we coped just fine. But now that we're infinitely better equipped and prepared, we're told that a rise of just one degree will doom us all. And I'm sorry, but I'm not convinced. More than this, coping with climate change is what people do. It's why we're the dominant species on the planet. It's literally our superpower. Humans thrive from the Arctic waste to the Saharan sands. There's literally nothing we can't cope with. Now, we're also told that climate change will result in catastrophic floods. But this is nothing new either. Some four and a half thousand years ago, virtually the entirety of human civilization was destroyed in floods when it's believed that a massive tsunami hit the Mediterranean. It took some 700 years for human societies to recover, yet you've probably never even heard about it. Around 250,000 years ago, our species was almost wiped out by climate change. It's why our ancestors left Africa. But you might never have heard of that either. Countless cities and civilizations have been destroyed by floods and disasters. But the human race recovers and soldiers on. We're really not facing anything we haven't faced countless times before. We're just far more resilient now. And we'll be even more resilient should a genuine crisis actually strike. Because the alarmists have made another critical error. The same one made by every single doomsayer throughout history. Every generation in human history has had those claiming that the end is nigh. And our current generation are no different. Because they imagine that we'll be facing future problems with contemporary technology. But we won't. We'll be facing future problems, should they ever arise, with future technology. Now, the alarmists are adamant that in a hundred years' time we'll be facing a crisis. And I can't possibly say what our technology will be in a hundred years. But I can say what it was a hundred years ago. And a hundred years ago, it was silent cinema, biplanes, cars that could do 25 miles an hour, and three telephones in the whole of England. A lot can happen in a century. And the pace of technological change is accelerating all the time. So the next century will see far greater transformations than the last. It's this lack of foresight that always trips up the doommongers. It's why Thomas Malthus was so spectacularly wrong to claim that population had reached its peak and that starvation was imminent in the 1700s. Because he couldn't have predicted the agricultural revolution and the remarkable progress that's happened since. And that sort of brings us to what we should do about climate change. Because the likes of Extinction Rebellion and George Monbiot seem more concerned with economics than with the environment. With destroying the fabric of capitalism and Western civilization. Monbiot is a particularly nauseous example. He also well illustrates the delusional certainties of the alarmists. In 2002, he predicted the apocalyptic famine that would grip the West within a decade. Well, 2012 came and went. And the famine never happened. So was Monbiot chastened by this? 
Did he show any humility, regret or contrition? Of course not. By 2017, he was just predicting famine all over again. It doesn't matter how often or how severely people like Monbiot get it wrong. It will never dent their certainty. It will never prompt any self-reflection. And it will never get them to change course. They'll just keep screaming about Armageddon until they die and they're replaced by the next batch. Monbiot's currently forwarding a new plan for humanity's salvation. But his radical agrarian programme is virtually indistinguishable from the manifesto of the Khmer Rouge. And I seem to recall that didn't go terribly well last time. So the real solution, if climate change is even as severe as the doomongers claim, is the opposite of that suggested by the most vocal of the alarmists. A century ago, a 100,000 people died every year from extreme weather events. But now, despite the fact that the global population has quadrupled, the death rate is just a fifth of what it was then. Now, only 20,000 die every year. If a storm strikes Miami, then because of the infrastructure and quality of buildings, the death rate is relatively low. But if a similar storm hits Haiti or the Philippines, the loss of life is immense. The solution then is not to wreck economies. It's to encourage and strengthen them so the developing world can enjoy the same protections as the affluent West. The way to combat climate change is not to regulate and tax people out of existence. It's to encourage economic growth and to use that prosperity to push us towards cleaner sources of energy, where practicable and affordable. The energy crisis striking in 2022 shows just how counterproductive the approach has been up to now. We should not tax poor people and try to stop climate change. We should spread prosperity and learn to cope with it instead. If not halted, the radical solutions of the extremists will mean we can't heat our homes, operate hospitals or get food and vital supplies to the shops. And the death toll will be colossal. But then it always comes down to genocide with the left. And some of the leaders of Extinction Rebellion have been quite open about that ambition. The left are rarely concerned about the real world consequences of their activism. They just want to parade their virtue and hector anyone who's not on board. Because despite their protestations, they're not motivated by compassion. They're motivated by narcissism. A worldview in which they're the centre of attention and they get to dictate how everyone else should live, think and speak. But many of the alarmists are simply naive. Young people who've been indoctrinated into activism before forming any genuine knowledge about the big picture. But as they seem keen on lecturing other people on how to behave, here are some suggestions they can take to cut down on their own emissions. Steps that are more productive than bunking off school and screaming at people in the street, which seems to have defined their activism up to now. So if young people really want to help, here's what to do. Turn off your phone for 22 hours a day. Never use tablets, iPads or laptops. Read books instead of binge-watching series and use libraries to do so. Walk or cycle wherever possible, rather than relying on lifts from your parents or Ubers. Never go on foreign holidays. Turn off your heating and put on a jumper or a coat. Turn off your bedroom light when you leave the room. When you enter or leave any other room, then shut the bloody door. 
and stop taking pictures of yourself and everything you eat. And if you're not prepared to make any of these sacrifices, then you need to stop demanding that other people make sacrifices. Basically, either put up or shut up. It's not complicated. But that's sadly typical. Because this movement is not powered by dispassionate scientific analysis. It's become a hysterical cult. I mean, look at the excesses of Extinction Rebellion. You really couldn't make it up. Are the cultists of Extinction Rebellion really the people to be dictating how our society and economy should be run? <laughs> of course not. But hysterical alarmism sells newspapers. Cautious and optimistic pragmatism doesn't. That's really what it comes down to. But honestly, we're not facing anything we haven't faced numerous times before. And we're not all going to die. You can stop panicking now. If you'd like to support this channel, please like, subscribe and think about picking up my books. They're called The Tyranny of the Left and they're available on links below. They go into these topics in much greater detail. Please do feel free to check them out and let me know what you think. Thank you.